Well, hello and welcome again to Abounding Love Podcast. My name is Dave Nelson. We are continuing on in our study through the book of Acts. And uh, we'll go ahead and continue where we left off last week, which is in Acts chapter 19. If you have your Bibles handy, I encourage you to grab them and, and follow along, read along with us. Um, we studied through the first seven verses of Acts chapter 19 on the last podcast, and we saw how Paul had come upon a group of disciples um, that had not heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had heard of and had received the baptism of John, but they were unaware of the Holy Spirit. And as we've gone through the book of Acts over the past seven months, we've studied about the Holy Spirit in depth on a few different occasions. And it's real evident that without the power of the Holy Spirit, the believers of the early church would have been powerless. But the same holds true for us. The work of the Holy Spirit has not changed and he has not gone away. You and I are powerless to live this life as Christians, if not for the Holy Spirit at work within us. So I encourage you, as we studied last time, to ask God to empower you with His Holy Spirit. Jesus told us to ask, seek, and knock. And He also told us that it is the Father's desire to give us the Holy Spirit. But like I said, we've studied this topic in depth on a couple of different occasions But for this podcast here, let's just go ahead and move on in our study of Acts chapter 19. Paul is continuing on, and in verse 8 it says, And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when someone, excuse me, but when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul was constantly on the go, spreading the word of the Lord throughout all of Asia. Some people were receiving the word of the Lord, and others had hard hearts toward it. Today, many people still harden their hearts to the word of the Lord, and some others receive it. I personally believe, though, that those that do harden their hearts to it have no clue of what the word of the Lord really says. Men and women have twisted and distorted the word of God so much with their own interpretations that it has become very unattractive to many people. But that's why I encourage people to read the word and to know what the word says and to know the Lord personally. You see, if you don't study the Word of God for yourself, then there really is no way of knowing whether you are getting the truth or not. I met a man recently uh, who is 97 years old. And uh, this man came up to me, and and he he knows I I teach the Bible. I teach a few different Bible studies a week, and and, uh, he actually came to one of them. He was actually at one of them. I don't think he was there by choice, but he was there, 97-year-old man that was just kind of visiting where we were doing the Bible study. And uh, sharp man, gets around well and everything, but, you know, he, he came to me and he asked me, 
after the Bible study, he said, you know what it's all about? Positive thinking. He said, are you a positive thinker? And I just, he's hard of hearing. And so I was real close up to him. And I said, you know, I'm a Jesus thinker. I just love to think about Jesus. And I love to put Jesus first in everything. But he goes, you know, he goes, here's the problem I have. He goes, there's so many different religions out there. That's why we shouldn't, he goes on to say, that's why we shouldn't teach the Bible in our schools, because there's so many different out there. All we're doing is confusing the kids. We don't need it in the schools. We don't need it, you know, let it stay in the churches and let it stay in the homes. But we don't need it anywhere else, because all it is is there's just a bunch of uh, religion out there. And that's, we don't need any of that. And I said, you know what? I agree with you. He go, I said, I don't think we need all that religion. I don't think we need all that stuff. And he looks at me like uh, he was sure that I wasn't going to agree with him. But he looks at me like, really? I said, yeah, I think all we need is Jesus. And I said, you know, the only place that we find out about Jesus is right here. And I had my Bible. I said, right here in the word of God. This is the only place you can go to find the truth. And I said, I don't believe we need to have a bunch of religions in school. But I do believe that we need to have the Bible in the schools and we need to tell people, tell the children the truth about God. And then he just kind of went back and said, no, I think it's all about positive thinking. I think, you know, I'm 97 years old and for me, positive thinking works. And I just said, "Okay." he goes, I don't mean to offend you, young man. I said, no, you're not offending me. Don't worry about it. But maybe we'll see you here next week. And uh, he's like, okay, maybe you will. So anyway, so that that kind of is the truth. You know, there's been so much twisting of the word of God, so many religions created, so many churches popping up everywhere, and they've got their own little slice and their own little way of doing things. We really need to just get back to the basics of the word of God, knowing Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of of our faith. So some people, though, harden their hearts to the Word of God. But like I said, I really believe that if they would take time to read it, to study it, to to listen to it, they'd really get to know who Jesus really is because the Bible is not just another book. It's a living, active Word, as we've talked about on many other podcasts. But here, that's what was happening With Paul, he was coming upon people that were receiving the word. He was coming upon those that were persecuting and attacking and speaking evil of uh, the people that were of the way, they call it there. When you see that word, the way, that's what the early Christians were initially called, the followers of Jesus Christ. And now we go on in verse 11. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought before, uh, were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So the word of God here is quick to point out that these were unusual miracles. The gospel was quickly spreading throughout all of Asia, and the Holy Spirit was performing many signs and wonders through Paul that we don't see taking place today. They were, as it says here, these were unusual miracles. 
Now, verse 13 goes on and says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? You see, back in that day, there were exorcists that were paid to perform exorcisms, and they were trying to use their own power to do the things that the Holy Spirit was doing through Paul. But they had no authority to do this. What Paul was doing was not the work of man, but rather the work of the Holy Spirit. Today, many Christians and many churches are trying to to do things on their own without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is leading people to a place of being spiritually dry and, and in many cases just spiritually dead. People today often walk away from churches and religious organizations beat up and worse off than when they walked in. Verse 16, Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You see, we don't need the power of man or the power of religion to live this life. We need the power of God. These evil spirits that we see that were in these people could have cared less about the work of the religious exorcists that were using the name of the Lord. Without the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through the word of the Lord, as Paul was doing, no one can be truly set free. Let me repeat that. Without the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through the word of the Lord, No one can be truly set free. Look at verse 17. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So as the word of the Lord was being spread here, people were confessing their sins and turning from their evil practices. And it didn't matter how much monetary value their things had. They were giving their lives completely to the Lord. You know, I remember 24 years ago when I began reading the word of the Lord and realizing its power within me that I came to a place where I began to get rid of all the things in my life that had held my mind captive. For me, one of those things was music. Music to me had power over my mind. I realized that the words to the songs I listened to were the things that I was actually living out in my life. I allowed that culture of that music to persuade me to be somebody different. But you know, 
I didn't need that anymore. At one time, those words to that music that I listened to took me to a place in my mind where the problems of the world didn't matter. And you know, alcohol does the same thing for many people. It gives them a chance to turn off the world for a few hours. And you know, I'm just listing a couple things. It could be gambling. It could be the internet. It could be a lot, television. It could be a lot of different things that are just, you know, making you take your mind and turn off all your problems. But you know, it's only the Lord that gives us an internal and an eternal peace that lasts forever. And in my life, 24 years ago, the Word of God had begun to change me on the inside, and I got rid of all that stuff that was not beneficial to my walk with the Lord. I don't need the philosophies of this world poisoning my mind. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit and the Word of the Lord. So I guard what I allow into my mind, and I filter everything by the Word of the Lord. And that's what has taken place in the lives of these people here in Ephesus. The word of the Lord is changing them. Verse 21 says, When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. There's that word again, the way. Um, But you know, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. But now, all of a sudden, there's commotion regarding these followers of Jesus. Satan doesn't like it when people under his control begin to turn to the Lord. For a certain man, verse 24 there says, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into uh, disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. So this guy Demetrius causes a big stir here, and he brings up a complaint against the followers of Jesus. But what is at the root of his complaint? Money. Money's at the root. Verse 24 tells us Um, there that he was a silversmith and these silver shrines of Diana brought no small profit to the craftsmen. So Diana is this goddess that many in Asia worshipped and now with all these people turning to Jesus, the economy of the craftsmen is going to be destroyed because no one will buy all the Diana trinkets and statues and such. So Demetrius calls together all the local craftsmen and gets them all stirred up. 
Verse 28 there says, Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Yeah, right. Diana is a false goddess, and truth be known, money is what they're really worshiping. The ones that had truly surrendered their lives to Jesus back in verse 19 got rid of all their stuff that had any value. It had the value of 50,000 pieces of silver, but these craftsmen don't want to let go of their profits, so they are causing a stir. They're trying to disguise what they are doing in the name of religion because they say in verse 27 that the magnificence of Diana will be destroyed, but in reality... That's not what it's about. It's about money to them. But what was the result of this? Look at verse 29. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. So Paul is being warned here to not get involved in all this. The disciples and the government officials are telling him to stay clear of it all. Verse 32, some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused and most of them did not know why they had come together. So you really need to get a visual picture of this scene that has taken place here. The people have been all stirred up by the local craftsmen. The local craftsmen have lied to the people and told them that the magnificence of the great goddess Diana was being destroyed. This is like a lie upon a lie, because for one thing, there was no such thing as the magnificence of the great goddess Diana. It's a false god they're worshiping. So these people are all confused and don't even know what it is that they are protesting. You see, Paul and the other disciples are spreading the word of the Lord, and people are being set free from the bondage of the world, and the craftsmen are looking out for themselves and causing a commotion. Let's uh, stop here. Let's turn to uh, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. So turn toward the back of your Bible and you'll find James right after the book of Hebrews and right before the book of 1 Peter. James chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 13. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, Demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see, when a person is self-seeking and looking out for their own needs, 
then there is bitterness, envy, lies, hypocrisy, and confusion. But when we seek that which is above, we find purity, peace, gentleness, and a willingness to yield. As we go through this life, we do have a choice. We can be Holy Spirit-led people and experience peace, or we can be self-seeking people and experience confusion. And that is what is taking place in the city of Ephesus back in Acts chapter 19. There, there is chaos because of the people that are looking out only for themselves. That is not the way of the Lord, and nor should it be the way we live. Let's look at a few scriptures that point that fact out to us. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Yeah, Philippians you'll find right after Ephesians and right before Colossians. If you're not real familiar with your Bible yet, we'll look at Philippians chapter 2. And we'll start reading in verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, this is obviously the opposite of what we see taking place in Ephesus. They were being self-seeking, and that is not the way the Lord desires for us to live. And the Lord is the one that gave us the greatest example of this. Look at verse 5 there. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taken the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Wow. That's where we need to be. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation, the total opposite of being self-seeking and fighting for our rights and getting what we want. Now, let's turn to Romans chapter 14. I just want to look at one verse uh, here in Romans chapter 14. So you can go back toward the book of Acts. um, You'll find it right after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 14, and let's look at verse 19. It says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. You see, that's how we're supposed to live. Pursuing things that are making for peace. Not standing up, not rioting, not fighting for our rights, not, you know, holding our ground and making our points, but being willing to yield and being willing to to make for the way of peace and think about edifying 
someone else. How about turning uh, up one chapter to Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Here again, Jesus is our example. And this is the kind of thing that we as followers of Christ are to be known for. Love, peace, putting others first. But back in Acts chapter 19, the whole town was in an uproar because people were turning from religion to Jesus, the living God. And don't be surprised that as you begin to lose your grip on this world, there becomes an uproar all around you. Your friends and even your family might call you a Jesus freak. They might say you've joined a cult. And all through the book of Acts, we've seen where lies are told about the followers of Jesus in an attempt to to put a stop to the work of the Holy Spirit. But we must press on. You see, it's the Word of God that has enlightened you. It's the Word of God that has opened your eyes. It's not the Word of man. If it is, then you have joined a cult. If you are, if you do become a follower of man, or a follower of a movement, or a follower of a denomination, whatever you want to call it, then you might want to reevaluate where you are in Christ. It's easy to get lulled asleep and just go through a routine of doing the same thing week after week and never being led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be focused only on Jesus. But let's go ahead and turn back to Acts chapter 19. And let's pick it up in verse 33. So all this confusion's going on. People are being self-seeking. And, you know, all this stuff is happening. In verse 33, it says, And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Man, how annoying that must have been. Great is Diana of the Ephesians for two hours. You know, these protesters are divided amongst themselves even. The Jews push this guy forward and coax him to start speaking. And the rest of the crowd, seeing he was a, a Jew, starts chanting over top of what he is trying to say. It's kind of funny, but when you see protests going on in America today, same thing happens. One person has a bullhorn and they're speaking and someone else is screaming through another bullhorn trying to, you know, blot out what they're saying. You know, people are out there fighting for their rights, being self-seeking rather than just surrendering their lives, dying to themselves, seeking Jesus, asking for his Holy Spirit to come in and empower them and give them the strength to live this life. But now the city clerk is going to stand up and he's going to bring order to all this confusion. In verse 35, it says, And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, 
What man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. So this guy, he's going to put an end to all the madness here and step up, but He's obviously lost too. For you, in verse 37, says, For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar. There being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So this confused crowd finally calms down and listens to a voice of reason here and they go home. But each one of them go home without the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of the Lord at work in their hearts. And they're going to go home. They were screaming and yelling in confusion, and they're going to go home and lie down in confusion. And before I close this podcast here, I want us to look at uh, a couple more scriptures. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As you're turning there, I want to just reiterate something here. This crowd, this crowd of people were confused. They didn't even know what they were protesting. Their lives were powerless without the Holy Spirit. And they're just out there in an uproar. It all started over the greed of one man who gets all the local craftsmen together and decides to cause an uproar because, hey, people are turning to Jesus. They're throwing away their shrines. They're throwing away all these statues. They're throwing away all this thing. It's not about idol worship anymore. We don't worship things. We have a living God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. You see, when you give your heart and soul to Jesus Christ, confusion will no longer reign. Instead, there is peace and contentment. When you are self-seeking and focused on the things of the world, confusion will rule in your heart and your mind. So many people today are on medications because they can't sleep at night. So many people are confused and all wound up on the inside. And you know, that's what this world does. And this world can do that to any one of us on any given day. I've been there. I've done that. I've tossed and turned with my mind racing. But you know, I have found that I've stayed the course, fixing my eyes on Jesus and allowing Him to use me in every circumstance, in every situation. We all have trials. We all have tribulation. We all have confusion at times. 
where we can turn to the God that didn't give us this confusion, but he gives us peace instead. And if you turn to Matthew chapter 6, this will be the last scriptures we'll look at. Matthew chapter 6, first book in your New Testament. And let's start reading in verse 19. Here's an answer. Here's an answer for our our minds in many ways that are confused and, and caught up in the things of this world. Verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So as we close this podcast now, I encourage you to seek the Lord in prayer and ask him to take your heart and mind to this place that he's speaking of here, a place where you are focused on things above and not on things of this earth. The Lord knows your need for food and clothing and shelter, but he wants your heart to be fixed on him. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. I pray for the hearts of those that are listening. You know where each and every heart is. As mankind, we look upon the outward appearance, but you look upon the heart. And you are the great physician, and you know our needs, Lord. 
So we thank you, Lord, that you have not left us comfortless and alone, that you have given us your word, the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit that is to to reside within us, to lead and guide us through this life. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, guys. Thanks for for listening.